All right, we'll get going. Welcome to the Golden Strip Soundcast, the official soundcast of the Golden Strip School of Music. Today we have one of our vocal teachers with us. Teacher, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. So, my name is Laura Morris, and I teach voice, piano, and ukulele here at Golden Strip School of Music. And um, I've been teaching in public schools for about nine years now, but I definitely have a lot of experience teaching privately, too. So, um, when I found out about this place, I just really wanted to be a part of it, and um, it just really works with my schedule. It's very flexible, and um, everybody's great to work with here. So, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to be a part of it, and um, have a lot of music in my background. So, um, so yeah, it's just great to be able to showcase that here. And you forgot one important part. You volunteered to be our choir director. Yes. Um, yeah. So do we know when recitals, or not recitals, but rehearsals will start for that? So the goal is to start at the beginning of June. And then so the first season will run from June to August. They're going to be broken into like three-month segments. Right. Um, so concert at the end of August. And um, that way we give kids who might get bored in the summer an opportunity to still do something when school's out. Uh, most choirs usually run from, you know, like, September to May, and they don't really have a summer season. So that's something that's different about this one. Tell me about your approach to teaching. So my biggest thing with teaching is that you really have to have a good relationship with your students, and you're not ever going to really be able to connect with them unless they trust you and they respect you, and they think that you just really care about them as a whole person, not just one of their students. So I've always approached it by getting to know the person and um, getting to know their interests and their likes and letting them have some input also in their musical experience by giving me feedback and ideas and stuff and showing them that I appreciate their input. The first like four or five questions I ask everybody, so you're going to have to bear with me on this part. (laughs) What is your favorite thing about teaching? Um, like I just said, it's about the relationships, just the, how close music brings people together, the director and students, and also, uh, students to students. Um, it's just really awesome to see those relationships blossom and people grow closer through, um, being in a choir together. Cause sometimes kids that are in choir together would have never spoken to each other outside of, you know, the, the choir room or, or whatever. So yeah, it's just really cool to see them become friends through making music together. So what came first for you? Was it vocals? Was it piano? Was it something else that you're not even playing anymore? Well, I played piano when I was really little, just by ear. I didn't take lessons except for about a year of lessons. Um, And then I played violin through school, like fifth grade through 12th grade. Um, Didn't start getting into chorus till eighth grade. And then I was in chorus from then on out through school and college and beyond. So, yeah, it actually was instrumentals first before voice. So how'd you get into the ukulele? (laughs) Uh, Just playing for fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, you know, getting one from Amazon and having fun playing, you know, songs that I really like out there that use it. So, yeah. Uh, We we all have inspirations for guitarists. It's like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Randy Rose for guys my age. Who or what was your inspiration as far as vocals go? So actually, my inspiration is not a famous person. It's um, my high school chorus teacher. She just really showed us what it was like to um, to bring kids close together through music and just really have a high expectation for her students, but also allow them to enjoy it and have fun with it. So I really she's the one that made me want to become a teacher and and to do music for the rest of my life. So, yeah, I I find it amazing. You're the second or third one that said really it, it was a high school teacher. Yeah. You know, they'll say later on in life, maybe some famous right. singer kind of caught their attention or whatever. But yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a major influence in a lot of people's lives. So Now, we all know students get frustrated. How do you deal with their frustration? Um, like I said, I think it's important that they trust you and they respect you. So I think when they do that, they're um, more able to voice their frustrations, and that really helps. Um, if they let it build up and they don't ever talk about it, that's when it's going to get really worse. So um, them just being able to open up about whatever problems they're having and us try to work together to solve it is what's really going to um, just make the situation better. Okay, now I have a couple of questions that are specifically for vocals. Okay. I don't know if this is a real thing or if somebody was pulling my leg, but I've heard people talk, singers say that they don't do dairy. Is that a real thing or is that? So, yeah. So um, from what I know, anything dairy kind of really coats your vocal cords and makes it um, a lot harder to sing. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in there that you would have to like, you know, you feel like your voice is almost... um, coated with something when you're singing so like when I was teaching chorus I would always tell my kids you know don't drink any milkshakes or any uh, coffee with dairy or anything before we have a concert because it's you're not going to be able to make as good a sound as you could so it is just before a concert it's not a a lifelong no I mean like never have ice cream again no not at all um it's just you know don't do it before you're going to perform don't do it before lessons just kind of keep a mindset of you know keeping them separate when you're performing or you know when you're singing now another one you think that you could teach anybody to sing or is it something where you hear somebody right away and you're like no i I can't go any further with you kid or an adult yeah my approach has always been i could teach most everybody to sing i mean there (laughs) are just some people that just don't i don't know don't get it but i really believe and have um heard and seen written about that um it's it's a lot of it is how much music you were exposed to when you were little. Um, like, did your parents sing to you? Stuff like that. So, you know, kids that didn't have that upbringing can still learn it. Um, it just takes a little more time than the kids who are brought up in a musical environment. So, I mean, I've I've had some very, I don't want to say tone deaf, but, you know, kids you, that... You can. Yeah. <laughs> kids that, um, you know, couldn't quite sound pitch at first. And then by, you know, two or three years later, they really get it. So, yeah. So is staying on pitch, is that one of the hardest things to teach them? Or what's the hardest thing to teach a new vocal student? Um, I would say probably how their breath support affects their singing. Um, really like connecting to their body and making sure they have that support to be able to sustain notes or to be able to really sing with like a clear, pure tone is something that it takes a while for them to understand. But yeah, that's that's really it. So the way I sing in my van is totally wrong, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to hear it. <laughs> no, you, you don't want to hear that because I am the one person that you would not be able to teach to sing. Oh, put a clip of that on here. <laughs> Maybe at the end. No. <laughs> do you teach students or how do you keep your voice at its best so that you're you're always taking care of it? Because, I mean, that is your instrument. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you can do to just stay vocally healthy. I mean, obviously... Um, being cognizant even of how you talk every day and the volume that you talk at and where you talk in your voice because a lot of people fall down into like this, you know, the gravelly kind right. of voice tone and, and what you want to avoid is talking like that. So keeping it a little higher in your range when you're speaking. Um, lots of water, obviously. Um, good, Really good care of it when you're sick. So like, you know, if you have a cold or something, you really have to be careful um, to stay hydrated and not really overuse your voice. So, yeah, I mean, just general, like, vocal, um, like, physical vocal things you can do to make sure your voice is, is being taken care of. But also, you know, making sure you're still singing and 
you're still warming up your range and and keeping yourself fresh basically so there really is something to the volume of your voice because i remember seeing my daughter made me watch uh the justin bieber mm-hmm. movie yeah and it went to that whole part where he was hanging out with his friends so much that he actually lost his voice yeah. from them talking and yelling and screaming and having a good time. Oh, yeah. And I thought maybe that just was something that happened to him, but apparently that's something that no. can happen to everybody. Yes. And I have had many field trips to an amusement park for like a competition or an adjudicated event. And, you know, if the event is later in the day, you have to tell those kids, try your best not to scream on those rides because it really does affect your voice. And so trying to get, you know, 30 high schoolers to not scream when they're doing the Tower of Terror or something. I was going to say, go, here, go get on this roller coaster and don't <laughs> scream on the way down. Yeah, exactly. So you got to try to schedule those things earlier in the day, but it was <laughs> pretty much impossible. Okay. Now, I also ask everybody, have you ever met anybody famous? So let's hear it. Yes. So I attended the BMW Pro-Am several years ago um, just with some friends. And I actually met um, David Wallace from The Office. Really? Um, yeah. He, I don't even know what his real name is, but <laughs> David <laughs> Wallace to me. Um, but yeah, he was playing in it. And somehow, you know, we just waved to him and we we're like, we love The Office. And he came over and talked to us and got a picture with us and stuff. So. Oh, so he was cool about it. He wasn't. Yeah, he was very cool about it. Um, but yeah, that's my only like interaction where I've actually spoken to them. I was in the same movie with Bruce Willis and his daughter in Boston one time. You were in a movie? Um, like not, <laughs> I wasn't starring in a movie. I was no, in the but... movie theater with him. Oh, okay. Um, and so when we were leaving, you know, I saw him like way up in the crowd exiting the movie theater. Of course, everybody has their phones up, like taking pictures of the back of his head and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> it was funny. I can't imagine what that must be like to like go places and just everybody is suddenly taking your picture mm-hmm. and wants to talk to you or wants to touch you. I know. I yeah, we we stayed back. We didn't want to obviously invade on their privacy, but it's cool just to see him in person. Yeah, for me, I can't even remember his name. He was in he was in that show with two it was two cousins a long time ago. Uh-huh. Oh, Belky. He played Belky Bartakamus. Oh. I can't remember his name. I saw him at a restaurant and we were like, Hey, it's Belky, but we stayed away from <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't like to be that person, so No. Mm-hmm. It, it, <laughs> hey, I know you're eating, but Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. What is one thing that you wish every parent of your students knew? Um like right right from the get go, what would you want them to know? Because I I see it here a lot. Parents will basically just drop their kids off and take off because they've got to do shopping. They've got to do something. And so that half hour, 45 minutes that they're here, it's a great time for them to escape and go do it. Yeah. So we don't always get to talk to the parents, even though I would rather have everybody talk to parents and I'd rather have the parents come in. It doesn't happen. So what was the one thing that you would want them to know? Um, I think just like to check in with your kid about their musical experience and don't just you know, drop them off and never talk about it when you pick them up. Just, you know, check in with them and see how they're doing and are they enjoying it and what song are they doing right now and just make them make them think that you also are interested in, you know, whatever they're doing musically. I think that kind of gives them extra motivation. Most kids I know want to please their parents, so if they know their parents are interested, it gives that extra element of motivation for them. Right. Do you dictate practice to your students or do you suggest a certain amount of time that they should practice every day? I see. I know nothing about voice. Um, All the other instruments is like 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Do some practice with voice. I have no clue what you would tell somebody. 
Yeah, I mean, when I was in school, like college and stuff, we would have to do little logs of, you know, our daily practice, how much time we practice, what we practice. But with my students, I just kind of give them a little bit of trust that they're they're spending enough time on it to fix what needs to be fixed. And I kind of tell them what to practice, like specifically, you know, down to a certain part of a song or something. Um, and then, you know, they, they pretty much know how much time they need to spend on it. I've rarely had to... I rarely had a student come in that wasn't prepared or that didn't have something prepared that I told them to have prepared. So, yeah, it's not really a problem for my students. I'm sure some other teachers are a lot more strict with specific times, but not I, I don't know so much as that, but they have powerful suggestions. Yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. As to I mean, what I should they practice? Have that, but they they usually listen and, and take care of what needs to be taken care of. What do vocal students practice? I mean, you go home and just sing to the radio. What what what's the deal? So. um a lot of times they'll do some warm-ups that I've shown them how to do, um, or they'll just do little, you know, things with their voice, like um, sirens, where they just kind of, like, take their voice up high and bring it back down low, just to kind of open up their range a little bit. But also, um, parts of songs is definitely the biggest thing, you know, whether they need to work on hitting certain notes or um, the words of a certain part need to be clear, just stuff like that, and stuff they can go home and do on their own, and they don't need me with it. Is part of singing actually mechanical, like the position of the tongue or yes. the jaw or the mouth? Completely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, I have, you know, I've seen tons of people have issues with singing because, you know, there's a lot of tension in their tongue or in their jaw or, um, you know, I even have a former student who had to have surgery on his jaw because he sings. Or he's a worship leader for um, his living. And, you know, he had so much jaw tension and um, it would just lock up sometimes. So he actually had to have surgery on it, but... It is a lot of, you know, what what's physically going on instead of just, you know, singing. So it so there should be relaxation when you're oh, absolutely. when you're singing. So I know um and you know this from playing the piano, the more relaxed you are, the better you play because you don't have to muscle up to hit a high note or a soft note. So right. is it kind of the same deal with the voice? Yeah. So you I mean you pretty much need to be relaxed from head to toe. Like everything needs to be relaxed, your body, your you know, your tongue, your mouth, your jaw, um, everything kind of raised in the back. So like your soft palate raised, um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into even just preparing your body to sing. So it's, that's hard, kind of hard to teach younger singers at least is that, that connection to their full body instead of just, you know, singing with your vocal cords. So is that why you see a lot of people ruin their vocal cords is because there's only really singing from the vocal cords yeah. and not using their body. Right. They're not singing in a healthy way, which I think everybody who who um, studies voice should take some kind of anatomy class or have, you know, a lesson with somebody who knows about the anatomy of the voice and stuff so that they understand what all is working when they're singing. That would be cool. You know anybody like that that we could get in here to, yeah, I do. to yeah. actually, like, do a seminar with all your students? Yes. There's a lady um, in Greenville who works at... Um, I think she works for an ENT um, or an ENT's office working on vocal anatomy and stuff. And she's come into my classes at when I used to teach at schools um, several times to do that kind of session. So I'm sure she would love to come here and do something like that. Yeah, but I think that would be great to have. Yeah. Because I think sometimes our students need to hear it from somebody else, not just it's like kids with your parents. Right. I coached baseball for years, my son's team, and we had a rule. I didn't coach my son. And my friend didn't coach his son. We yeah. coached each other's kids because okay. we knew our kids weren't going to listen to us. Right. Yeah. That's, so that is a major problem with teachers. I mean, you say something every day 
And then somebody new comes in and says it, and they're like, oh, man, that's, like, so enlightening. And you're like, I literally say that to you every day. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But they just need some other perspective. Right. That that was our first year of coaching when my friend Jason told my son to do something. He did it, and he lined one out into center field. And I'm like, that's exactly what I've been telling you for years. He looks at me and goes, but you're dad. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I got it. Okay, whatever. So for people that don't know what it's like, to learn to sing what is like what's the first lesson like when somebody comes in and says right laura i want to be your student what, what is first first day like that first half hour i just want to get an idea of where their voice is at right now so i do like a lot of warm-ups a lot of vocal exercises you know not even really singing a song but just doing a lot of exercises to see what's their range how low and high can they sing um, where's their break in their voice uh, where does their voice get you know, breathy or where does it really open up? Um, so yeah, just a lot of stuff to kind of evaluate, you know, kind of like a doctor does or something, just kind of evaluate where they are now and then, you know, diagnose what needs to be fixed going forward. So then you can make your plan to go yeah, forward. Exactly. Do you have any students started out terrible and then exceeded all expectations? I don't know if I've ever had any that were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there have been a couple that just never really kind of got it, but most of them, you know, through talking to them about, you know, that anatomy and that vocal health and um, the support from your body to support your voice when you're singing and all that, they they really learn and can be so much better than either they or you thought that they could be. So, yeah. Now we can move to piano. Sure. <laughs> you know, this is the second one where I have forgotten to turn off my alarm. Oh, no. That, that's my alarm to tell me to take my medicine. Nice. <laughs> and I always forget to turn it off when I'm doing podcasts at 4 uh, o'clock. Okay. So professional. That's what usually, I <laughs> you're lucky. Usually, I, I forget to close the door. Oh. So I'll just announce time to slam the door, and I slam the door. Yep. Or <laughs> something happens with the computer. So, so far, oh. all you got was my alarm. That was good. Yeah. Where was Oh, I was on piano. Mm-hmm. That's where I was. So I'm assuming you started out teaching vocals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when did you decide to add piano? to this so just through teaching um you know chorus classes i really developed my piano skills because you know you're constantly um, playing the piano in rehearsals and you're accompanying them and um you know sometimes when you're doing lessons with your students from your class you'll you know you'll be playing with them and stuff so yeah i just got a lot better through teaching chorus and then i decided well you know i mean i can i can teach beginning piano i'm not ever going to teach an advanced class but um but yeah these kids that this is their first time taking taking lessons and stuff i can definitely help them with that so i just decided to you know use that skill as well i don't have any more questions now you can turn the tables if you have questions for me or about the school we can do that or you can get off the hook (laughs) and say all right i'm out of here dave thank you or you can say something that you were hoping I was going to ask and didn't. Um, this is the part everybody hates. I know. I would have to be prepared <laughs> if I, you know, you like to ask questions. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, maybe just plugging our choir again, just getting people out there to know that um, that we're trying to start something that, you know, it's a community choir, but it's really geared towards kids who, you know, they might want to sing outside of school. They're in chorus at school, but they want more singing outside of school. Or all the kids out there that, you know, I know they can't fit into their schedule. There's other stuff they need to take, and they need that opportunity to Right. They, they've got 10 AP classes. Right, and... yeah. 
So this would give them the opportunity to be a part of something like that, but not have it take up an elective in their schedule. So, um, and you know, I have, I have really high expectations. I have a great success rate with choirs and I just think I can really bring a lot to this group, um, by, you know, having it be an extracurricular thing, but still have those high expectations to succeed. So, right. I know I can't wait to hear when the rehearsals get going. Yeah. That's one of the great parts about me being here and not teaching mm-hmm. is I hear a lot that people don't realize I hear as I walk around and listen to see what's going on. Yeah. And I just, I love hearing the interaction between you teachers and the students at some of the best uh, camaraderie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because I know for me, I'd be like, I said, do it this way. And I'd be a terrible teacher. And I, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd have no students left, Yeah, but I hear mm-hmm. you. It takes a very certain talent to be able to not only have be talented, but to share that talent and teach somebody else to do it. Yeah, for sure. And so I find that incredible. And so I look forward to when people are using that performance area, yeah. whether they're playing the grand piano, I hear that maybe Joel's recording out there, Yeah, you know, so I get to hear what's going on and I love it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat space. I'm looking forward to using it too. And for all you people listening out there, we need some more guys for the choir. Yep. We need a couple more. We're almost, you know, have a balanced group, but um, just getting a few more guys there, especially basses. We have a, a good number of higher voiced men, but we need a couple on the low end. So, all right. So, if any of you guys with a real deep voice, <laughs> yes, yeah. so you say. do not have to have any choral experience. You know, I I can take what you have and move forward with it. So, yeah, if you and you can you can fix it. Yeah, for sure. And make it maybe hide it in the mix of the other voices <laughs> if somebody's not that great. Yeah, I mean blending is important, but I, you know, everybody plays a big role in. Right, yeah. so we're we're not looking for professionals here. We're looking for kids right, exactly. that want to do this. Yes, that need that in their lives, and we can take you know what we get at the beginning and just build on it and make it something awesome at the in the end. So yeah. Well, now you can guess what my uh, social media is going to be tonight. <laughs> it's going to be the choir. There you go. Nice. If we're trying to get the choir going. Yep. We got that Tiny Tots program. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully a summer program. Yeah. You're going to get me some information on that coming up. For sure. And I think that covers everything. Awesome. Unless you have anything else. I can't think of anything. But, yeah. See how easy and painless this was? It was. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's going to be this horrible thing. I know. And it's it's very just, nerve-wracking at first. But... It's pretty. And there's going to be more. Yeah. So be prepared. Okay. I don't know what it's going to be about because I think you're the last teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Catherine, but I don't know. I might not be able to do hers until she comes back. Yeah. But um, so I've gone through all these teacher interviews. Now we need more stuff. So think of ideas of what you'd want to hear people yap about. Yeah, for sure. You know, it doesn't have to be me. It'd be just you teachers, whatever. Yeah. You know, awesome. This thing is open for everybody. So okay, cool. that's that. Thank you very much. All right.